I'll start from the beginning. Um, hi, my name is Amy, and I'm a marijuana addict and an alcoholic. My sobriety date is May 23rd, 2012, and I'm grateful for my rock bottom that happened that day due to marijuana alone as I had quit drinking a year earlier. My MA home, home group is Seeds of Recovery that meets at 4 p.m. Central Time, Saturdays on Zoom. And I have a sponsor and I sponsor others. Um, back to my story. Uh, growing up, I lived in a small town in north, north central Wisconsin called Wausau. You probably have not heard of it. <laughs> um, my family was kind of lower middle class. We always had enough, but sometimes we had to scrape by or ask other family members for help. Um, my mom's side was uh, conservative Catholic, and my dad's side had a history of alcoholism and addiction. I was very close with my dad, and my mom and my brother were close. Um, my parents got divorced due to my dad's drinking when I was in about fourth grade. Otherwise, my um, childhood was pretty happy until that point. Um, my brother and I did not know that it was coming, because my parents hid their fighting from us uh, pretty well. It was hard after that with only our mom around because we didn't see our dad very much except maybe like every other weekend, if even that. And like I mentioned before, my dad and I were really close. Um, middle school was awful for me because I was a really awkward teenager. But high school got better, um, or I should say my life in high school got better. My dad got sober when I was a sophomore and he and my mom got remarried when I was a junior. So I did have the divorced kids dream come true where your parents get remarried back to each other. Um, but I wasn't happy about that. I ended up going into a deep depression and withdrew from family and friends. I was lucky though because my parents saw that I needed help and they got me into therapy. Senior year, I started my um, rebellious streak. I was when I was 18. I got a tattoo. I did piercings by my on myself. I was drinking and smoking pot. Um, the summer before I went away to college, I started dating a bartender who was 27, who I was absolutely infatuated with. Uh, but my dad was furious, and he made my disappointment in me very clear. Um, our relationship just was never the same after that. I did make it to college, and I continued my partying, and um, it increased from just smoking pot on occasion in high school to smoking pot every day in college. And I was binge drinking on the weekends um, whenever I could get it, because, or on the weekends for sure, and then whenever else I could get it because I wasn't 21. Um, I had gone to University of Wisconsin-Platteville for engineering, but parties, partying soon became my top priority, uh, not going to calculus at 8 a.m. And it was then that my, my pot, I mentioned, became an everyday thing. My pot smoking became an everyday thing, and it would continue that way for 17 years. My freshman year in college, I also met and started dating this guy named Tim, who I would eventually end up marrying. Um, during sophomore year, I decided to drop my engineering classes and do a 180 and become an English major because I love to read and most of the classes were later in the day or night classes, which went really well with my partying schedule 
and I could also go to class stoned and still do well. But then sophomore year, my dad was diagnosed with lung cancer, and at spring break, they told me to come home. We all spent a few months with him, me and my mom and my brother, and then other family members. And then um, he died May 19th of 1998. I never cleared the air with him about my rebellious ways. And that summer, my brother and I worked on getting my mom's house ready to sell. And then I went back to college. College for me was four hours away, and that was another world away from the sadness back at home. Also, I just turned 21 in early October, so I was able to start drinking on a daily basis to numb out and not grieve my dad's death. Um, I also started bartending at that time to pay off my ongoing bar tab at my favorite bar, and um, drinking and smoking pot was my priority. Luckily, I managed to graduate college with an English degree, and I decided to work in publishing. I got a job as an editor at a small publishing company in Dubuque, Iowa, which is just 30 minutes away from Platteville. And I worked there for two years while Tim finished his engineering degree. And at that time, my drinking was controlled, but I still smoked pot every day when I got home from work. I wanted to be successful at my job. I worked really hard. That was instilled in me growing up that I should that we were just really hard workers. And then in 2002, Tim graduated from college, and we moved to Madison, Madison, Wisconsin, the capital of Wisconsin. And I got a job at another publishing company, and I started to freelance for the first company that I worked at out of Dubuque. My drinking, again, was still very controlled, and I continued to smoke pot daily. And then at that point, workaholism began to be a thing for me. Um, it, however, was a positive thing for me at that time because it helped me to pay off all of my credit card debt and save up for a down payment for a house. Once I bought our house, the partying there increased exponentially. I was working from home freelance editing and Tim had a good job by then. We had really great parties and had a good time in the beginning. Um, the next 10 years at the house were a blur. Uh, some things that I do remember are in 2002, I was seeing a therapist, and we talked about my drinking and smoking, and he gave me the number to AA. I was so offended that I immediately fired him as my therapist. I quit all of my meds and continued to drink and smoke for 10 more years. Uh, later, when I had a really stressful job on the east side of Madison and was working very long hours, I would go to the grocery store right by my, by my work every day to get vodka, beer, wine, etc. One day, picking up my daily, you know, round of alcohol, I realized that by that point I was drinking every day. And I accepted it and I did nothing about it. And I stayed in complete denial while throwing up during my shower every morning and going to work totally hungover. I... I was in denial and blamed the stress of that job as being a problem. Um, I would say that the end of my drinking career was about in 2000. The end of my drinking career began in 2010. I knew that there was something wrong, but I wasn't really quite ready to address it. Like I said, I thought that it was all because of stress. Um, I had just been fired from that from that job 
and I decided that I would stop drinking hard liquor and only drink beer and wine. Then I was able to change it to change it up to only drinking on the weekends. But even then, I was still obsessed about what I was going to drink. And I always drank more than I said I was going to. My last drink was on Cinco de Mayo of 2011, and I had one margarita, and I broke out in hives. I had previously had anaphylactic shock from other fermented foods, so I knew that my body was telling me to stop drinking. And besides, tequila and I never, ever, ever got along. Um, at this point, I was tapering off of my alcohol, and at the same time, my daily pot use increased. I, was, um, I used to smoke pot only at night after work. Every night I would smoke, but it would, I would wait until after work to smoke. And now that I started working from home, I could smoke all day and all night because I was my own boss, and I said that it was, it was okay for me to be high at work. And um, it took a lot for me to finally come into recovery. My marriage ended, and I wasn't able to work anymore due to severe depression and mental illness. Um, I was, I was uh, suicidal at that point as well, um, but I, I, I didn't have any plans for it. It was just kind of a general feeling that it would be better if I wasn't around anymore. Um, our home was in foreclosure. And I had nothing left in my life, and I actually didn't even want the life that I had anymore. It was all just a drunken, stoned veil to cover up the grief of my dad's death and his disappointment in me and my disappointment in myself. So in AA, in recovery, I started in AA because I didn't know that there was MA in Madison. About a year into recovery, I found MA. And I was very happy. <laughs> the woman leading the meetings was um, going to close them down because of low numbers. Not a lot of people were showing up at that time. And a couple of other people wanted to keep it going. So we started having meetings at this house. And then we had them at a 12-step clubhouse. And people actually started coming. And some stayed clean and uh, recovered. I was doing service work in early recovery to rebuild my self-worth, and it was helping. I got my own apartment for the first time in my life at age 35. It was only a tiny efficiency on campus, but it was mine. I got a sponsor right away, and I worked the steps. And this began my second chance at life and my journey of self-discovery. Um, I want to pause here and say that I did a lot of therapy um, at this time, and I still see a therapist once a month. I value mental health awareness, and I think that it's important to address that openly. I would not have had success in my recovery without the focus on rebuilding my mental health. I had marijuana-induced psychosis towards the end of my using, and it was incredibly scary and isolating. I was worried that if I told anyone what was going on, that they would lock me away forever. And I didn't know if my mind would get better again, but luckily it did. The first year of my sobriety was living only a day at a time. I wasn't working and didn't know if I would go back to publishing or if I could even do that job as a sober person. I started working part-time in the apartment complex that I was living in. And then after two years of working there, things didn't work out, unfortunately. And I hesitated, hesitantly decided to try to go back to publishing again. 
I moved into a new apartment near my new office. Being back in the editor role was really difficult for me. I slowly got accustomed to the stress, and my workaholism increased incrementally. Luckily, I kept up with all of my recovery meetings and service commitments because I heard that whatever I put ahead of my recovery, I would lose, and I didn't want to lose this new life that I was building for myself. I had real friends, women friends for once, that I could talk to openly and honestly, and I could be a friend for them too. From 2014 to 2019, I continued to attempt to balance the stress of my work with my life in recovery. And then in January of 2017, I had a very strange morning where I kept fainting. I eventually reluctantly called an ambulance and went to the ER. After a few days of testing, they found that I had a congenitive heart condition, and that was causing the fainting and arrhythmia. To make matters worse, the only option was open-heart surgery. My good friend had just gone through a massive heart attack about six months earlier, and her strength and support gave me a lot of courage. It was very, very clear to me that the stress for my job was a big factor in my heart condition. It was a weird juxtaposition of being grateful for the stress to bring this to my attention because if it had not been addressed, it would have shortened my life by 20 years. But at the same time, it was also a huge red flag for my workaholism and that I needed to find a career with less stress and more work-life balance. It took me two years to let go of my ego and the title of editor and to find a new career area and position. The pro my process was to make a list of my values for my career and what my ideal position was going to look like. I faced a lot of rejections, and every morning I had a special third-step prayer that I said, higher power, please give me the strength to do my job today and help me find my new position. After a lot of patience, trust, and faith in my higher power, I was hired at a company where I feel valued and I have job security, amazing, amazing benefits. And I feel like I'm making a difference in the world. And it's completely not about my job title. COVID was another self-discovery lesson for me. In recovery, I ended up, I got most of my self-worth worth from feedback from others. And isolated at home alone, but with my pets. Um, and having very little contact from the outside world. It was a helpful shift for me to recognize my self-worth needed to come from within myself and not exterior, from the exterior from others. Another topic that I want to touch on is sponsor, sponsorship. I am hugely, hugely grateful for my sponsor and the time that she gives me. She spent about uh, three or four hours with me on my first fourth step, and I will never forget that she is so um, just willing and just really, she's an amazing woman and she has a really full life that I admire and she has a really strong recovery. I'm also really blessed by my sponsees for allowing me to be a part of their recovery journey and to witness their personal growth. It's been a huge honor and I definitely don't take it for granted. Uh, my final topic that I want to touch on is service or service work. 
Initially, I did service work in both AA and MA. And then I became frustrated with the hierarchy and the levels of service in AA, and that it takes so much work and effort to make any updates or changes in AA. I don't mean this to trash AA. I still go to AA meetings and I get a lot out of it. Um, but that's just what my personal experience was. And that for my recovery, I, um, I didn't feel like I was making a difference there. So I made a conscious decision to focus my service work in MA because MA needs women to do service work. And I had some time under my belt at that point. And you know what? It was the best decision that I made since I decided to come into recovery. I really feel at home and welcomed by the former stoners that I do service work with. Even though we're all pretty chill, we get, we really do get a lot done. And I feel like I'm making a huge difference in MA as a whole. It's super exciting for me as a former editor to have the opportunity to spend my volunteer time working on the MA Daily Reader and the fourth edition, oh, sorry, the MA Daily Reader that's titled Living Every Day with Hope, which is on the website, and you can, you can access that. Um, and also the four, fourth edition of Life with Hope, um, which will be coming up probably in the next, the next year or two, and it will have updated stories from NA members. And to wrap up, I am really, really grateful for my higher power, my sponsor and my sponsees, and my friends and my family for supporting me in my recovery. And with that, I will pass.